Hi, welcome to In the Middle, Lessons Learned in the Journey. These are conversations about what we are learning about ourselves and about our faith in the middle of a journey. And today we are chatting with my dear friend, Robin, who we met many years ago uh, before she moved to Paris, France. And in our conversation today, we hear about the journey that Robin is on to battle a health challenge, not once, but twice while she's away. And so stick around to hear the lessons that Robin has learned about um, how to strengthen herself through her faith, through her relationships with her family, and by keeping her eyes ahead to what's to come in her life. Hi, Robin, how are you? I'm good, nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. Well, welcome to In the Middle, and I'm so excited that you're joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, all right. So before we jump into what you're in the middle of, I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, cool. So what is your name? My name is Robin Allison Davis. Excellent. And where do you live? I live in Paris, France. Oh, wonderful. Um, which is, by the way, my dream of at least living in France for at least one year of my life. So you are living my dream. Um, hey, what are you over. <laughs> <laughs> I know I want to come. Um, what uh, do you do in Paris? So I work for the OECD and I am the multi multimedia executive producer. So I'm making all of their videos and podcasts. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, thank you. And I appreciate some of the tips you shared with me about podcasting <laughs> early on in our conversation. So, okay, here's my next question. Or what were you in the middle of right before you hopped on this call? I was in the middle of FaceTiming my sister, actually. Well, my whole family, because my family, they work together. And normally I call my mom after work, but my sister said I don't call her as much. So I FaceTimed her, I talked to her and her dog was in the office with her. And then my mom walked by and wanted to speak with me too. So spending a little time virtually with my family. Oh, that's so wonderful. Where does your family live? They live in Maryland, right outside of DC. Oh, okay, fantastic. Alrighty, so thank you for letting us know a bit about you. What are you in the middle of? I am in the middle of a cancer journey. I am fighting breast cancer for the second time. Okay, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us. What was the moment that launched you into the middle of this journey battling cancer for the second time? Well, I was actually thinking about this story um, just yesterday, really. You know, it was 2020, uh, which a year that we all say is kind of crazy. It was a lot going on. Um, we had the pandemic, had a lockdown in France where I was living in a tiny studio. I wasn't living in this apartment. Um, wasn't able to see my family. But I said, you know what? 2020 is gonna be my year. Even though it's like, seems pretty bad. It's gonna be my year because I finally finished all my reconstruction destructive surgeries and like everything is done with the cancer it's going to be my year and then when our lockdown in France lifted we were on a lockdown between 
March and May, early March and early May, I went to see my doctor for a checkup, um, just a regular physical. And she did a breast exam and she was like, yeah, I'm sure everything would be fine. But then she felt something in my armpit. And she was like, well, maybe you should get that looked at. I'm sure it's nothing, but let's get it looked at. So fast forward, I had a lot of tests and they eventually said, okay, we don't know what's going on, but we're just gonna take out these lymph nodes and then we can test them. And, and my friend came with me to the surgery, which at first they said they weren't going to allow because of COVID. So because of COVID, I had to go to most of my appointments alone. Uh, but I begged them, I said, listen, my family is far away. I need at least one person with me for support. So my friend came with me and I was recovering from the surgery in the hospital. And the doctor came in and he said, okay, so we took out the lymph nodes, uh, they are cancerous. So we're going to have to treat you. We're going to have to start with chemo and then start with radiation. And so if you can make an appointment with, I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like you're moving so fast. Like you just told me I have cancer again and I have to have chemo. I was like, please slow down. I was just in shock because I just knew that my life was, I was ready to move on. This was gonna be over. Um, and so he, I think he spoke a lot more. I don't honestly remember. <laughs> I probably blacked out. And when he left the room, I sobbed. It was kind of those sobs where it's like yell sobbing and like it's racking your body because I just couldn't believe that in less than two years, I had cancer again, that it was recurring and that I would have to go through chemo, which I didn't have to do last time or radiation. And during a time when my family can't even come to France, so I have to do it all alone. So that was the, the moment, uh, it was July 26, 2020. Wow, Robin, thank you for sharing that, that moment that that happened. What were some of the questions that popped up in your mind when the doctor shared the news and you were thinking about you know, what this meant for your life? Well, I was really confused because you know, the first time I had cancer, I had a mastectomy and they told me, you don't have to have radiation or chemo. So my first question was, did they miss this the first time? Was it, should they have given me more treatment and then I wouldn't be going through this? It turns out due to the testing and everything, it was actually a different type of breast cancer that I have now, as opposed to what I had before. So it wasn't really a something they missed. However, I still have my I still have my worries about that, but I try not to think about that because all that would do would just make me upset. I can't change the past. Um, but I was questioning, you know, should I stay in France for this? And honestly, immediately I thought, yes, I must because, you know, I've got health insurance here. I've got a job here. I just got a new contract at my job. Um, and things were just so unsure in the US with the previous administration that I just, I said, no, I, I need to stay and do it here. And I never once thought, oh, I could die from this. It's only other people I notice that always say like, oh, don't you worry, you're not gonna die. And I'm like, really, you, you thought that? You thought that I thought I was gonna die? <laughs> I never thought I was gonna die. It was never something that came in my head. Um, so it was just a lot of confusion. What were some of the first things that you did when you found out this news? Well, I called my family um, and they were shocked, <laughs> of course. And I called a friend of mine who uh, has gone through this 
before. She actually referred me to her doctors and I said, okay, you know, this is what's going on with me. This is how I'm going to have to fight. And my next thought was um, that I would need to freeze my eggs. That was actually something that came up uh, almost immediately in my head. I said, I'm not going to go through all the chemo and all of that unless I've frozen my eggs because 36, you know, the, the window is whittling down. Um, however, I never really, I never really cared about having kids <laughs> until that moment. Um, so I'm glad that I went through the process. I actually had to fight my doctors to hold off on the treatment to allow me to do this first. Because uh, I just needed some sort of security or insurance uh, for that. And I, I prayed. I prayed about it, um, about my situation in general. I tried to put up uh, different things that would keep me inspired and keep me going. Uh, I admit my first bout with cancer, I did not pray that much because I think I felt a little... I felt like God left me and he wasn't listening to me because how could this have happened to me? Um, but he brought me through and, and I definitely sought him a lot harder this time, a lot more prayer, a lot more reading of my Bible, trying to keep myself grounded, uh, to keep my spirits up, my morale up, to know that I will get through this. Yeah, Robin, I was, that's exactly what I was going to ask you, you know, what would you notice are some of the differences between the first battle and then this current one that you're in? Well, the first time I didn't really feel like a, a true breast cancer fighter or survivor because I didn't go through all the chemo and radiation and I just had surgery, even though that's a terrible way to think. I did have to go through a fight with all my surgeries and all that. It is still a fight. But with this time, I just felt like, I mean, it's been the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. Um, finishing chemo was extremely difficult for me. I had a lot of side effects that my doctors had never heard of before. And I felt like I wasn't being listened to. I felt like no one was taking my pain seriously. It was difficult because my family wasn't with me. Um, but I knew that I was brought through the first time. And so I just, I had to keep myself motivated. One book that I read was um, Dr. Betty Price's book about her uh, battle with cancer. And a lot of what she put in her book, I actually stuck up on my bulletin board to remind myself like, no, this is stay the course. You can do it, finish strong. So I've had to do a lot more self-motivation than I did the first time. I put a lot of my um, my meditations in my phone and I even have some that pop up like as a reminder at noon every day. You know, what is your meditation or quote from that book that you've been leaning into? So it is Psalm 91.7. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. And that was a scripture that she included in her book that I like. The second time, I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups, a lot of support groups, which can be very helpful. Uh, some of them have been extremely helpful for me, but also you're reading almost all day, every day what everyone else's side effects are. And, oh, when I took this drug, it did this terrible thing to me. Or when I did this, it did that terrible thing to me. And it ramps up your anxiety about your treatment. Um, am I getting treated the right 
way? Is this going to be terrible for me? How am I going to feel about this? Um, oh, this person did all this and they still passed away. So I just need to keep this scripture in mind because she said she had a lot of that kind of noise around her as well. And keeping the scripture in mind is, you know, everyone else's path may not be your path. Just because it happened to this person may not happen to you. Like, but it shall not come near you is what it says. So that was something that I really, I keep it on my bulletin board and read it often. I think that is such an encouraging message for, for all of us that we oftentimes are, um, can be discouraged by what we see other people going through when we think that we're in the midst of the same, the same challenges, the same struggles, um, or even when we perhaps want to be where somebody else is and we see like how difficult it is for them, it can deter us mm -hmm. from moving ahead and moving forward. But you're so right that um, one person's story is not our story. Our stories play out so differently and it doesn't, what we see somebody else deal with doesn't have to be exactly what we deal with. Like I think about like our faith walk being not involving anybody else, but ourselves and God. And regardless of what we see in the world and, and the people around us, that, that does not have to dictate what our story looks like. And I think that that's, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, it's, it's also been kind of a theme in my life. Um, there is a quote that I love by Mae Jemison, mm -hmm. um, the black female astronaut saying, uh, don't be limited by other people's limited imaginations. And that is one of my favorite quotes that's actually on my mirror. Um, because that, I mean, even with moving to Paris, people are just like, there's no way you can do something like that. And what, you're gonna go over there and you're gonna end up finding a job and staying for No, that's like, that's crazy, wow. And people's limited imaginations. <laughs> Look at God. I know, <laughs> you've been there. And so you were, you've been there for five years, but here you've, you're building a life and you have access to things that you may not have had access to if you were to be here. And so just the way you've settled into your world um, that has been just made for you, Robin, is really beautiful and um, a good reminder that to not, to not be limited by what other people might not be able to see. You know, sometimes these ideas come up and we're like, oh, we immediately talk ourselves out of them. But just the simple fact that an idea would pop up in our minds means that there's that like it's worthy of following. It's worthy to see what does this mean and and how might this play out. Exactly, because then you don't want to live with regret that you didn't even try. Uh, what would you say has been something that has surprised you about yourself while you've been in the middle of this journey? Something that you've learned about yourself that you are grateful to learn. I will say this experience has definitely changed me. Um, probably for the better. <laughs> I think I'm, uh, I'm a bit more sentimental now, but I have been extremely resilient, I think. Um, the, what I went through with the chemo was not what a lot of people go through. Um, and I was in pain for a lot of the time and I was working full time going through, uh, and I had like a circle of friends that were helping me and all of that, but to have to go through chemo away from your family uh, in intense pain, <laughs> living alone in a 
foreign country, dealing with, a, you know, cultural differences, language differences, everything. It's just a lot. It is a lot. Um, and so I wanted to quit chemo. I did. And I just had to keep pushing myself I, because I knew that if I stopped early, which my doctor actually gave me the out. He was like, you can't stop early because your body's not tolerating this well at all. But I knew if I stopped early and the cancer came back, whether it had to do with the chemo or not, I still wouldn't forgive myself for having stopped early. I would still think, oh, what if I had done those three extra cycles or three extra rounds? Like, what if I had done that? So I, I, I know how hard I can push myself. <laughs> That's for sure. It's not something I want to do all the time. But I know that when it comes down to it, I can be extremely resilient. Yeah. If you don't mind, what was the major side effect that you were experiencing? You'd mentioned before the amount of pain that you were in. Um, well, during my first three rounds, or I can't remember if it's rounds or cycles that they call them. Uh, um, I had a side effect where, have you ever had a COVID test? Yes. Okay, so you know how it like burns when they um, take it out. So for whatever reason, during my chemo infusion, my nose started burning like I was getting a COVID test and it would stay burning for about 72 hours, um, which is very painful. <laughs> and then with my next um, cycles of chemo, once I stopped that drug and was then put on the lighter drug as they normally do for breast cancer, um, my doctor said, this one will be easy, no problem at all. It's, it's a, a severe allergic reaction, basically, where my entire body breaks out in very painful, debilitating itching, uh, where it just, the best way to describe it is that it feels like spiders under your skin. Um, skin gets hot, it's extremely painful, it lasts for hours, um, really only, extremely ice cold ice packs on your body for extended periods of time will stop it and you don't know when it will, it will just happen at any point in time and then you're just laid out for hours with it um so that was something that my doctor didn't really i mean they talk about sometimes people having itching and things like that but not to the level that i had it um so i was taking up to five allergy pills a day it still wasn't helping. So how did that affect you? Well, it affected me. I, the pain was really difficult for me. It was unlike anything I had felt before, but I feel like what was making it worse is that I felt like I was not being taken seriously about it. Mm -hmm. um, I was telling my doctor and I felt like he was trying to help, but not, not as much as he could. Like, this is obviously something that is really killing me. I mean, to the point where some of my flare-ups were so bad that I just wanted to die. I thought about actually killing myself because that's how much pain I was. And that's not normal. And I feel like my medical team should have done more um, to help me through that. And eventually I did kind of figure out that there were triggers that kind of made it worse. And once I was able to do that and research how to get around the triggers, what kind of diet is associated with the triggers, it did help um, greatly. It didn't go away, but it, it helped. 
<laughs> what I'm hearing you share is that you were relying on your care team to support you in, in the middle of this and they were not fully available to you. Um, so I had to advocate for myself because you're going through so much and you just assume that you just follow whatever the doctors say and it'll be fine. But I felt like I wasn't getting enough. And one thing actually that I always think of is uh, Serena Williams having to, what she pushed to get an MRI because she said she felt she had a blood clot after the birth of her daughter. Yes. And they didn't believe her. She had to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's like, if Serena Williams has to keep pushing, then I need to keep pushing on this. And, and uh, thankfully I was able to kind of figure out a way to help myself but I also feel like I shouldn't have had to do that. Um, I'm glad it worked. Um, one of the things that you said before was that it got to a point where you were just at the end of yourself and felt like there was just nothing else you could do. And it affected even you wanting to stay here that you didn't want to live anymore. In those moments where you experienced that, what got you through those moments? Oh, what I thought about was the fact that I know deep down in my heart, I don't actually want to leave her. <laughs> I want to stick around. And if I just keep pushing, the idea, who, who knows if this is actually true, check back in 10 years, we'll see. But the idea that if I keep going through this now, hopefully I will never have to go through this ever again. And that this, this one time of going through the chemo and all the pain, hopefully that will be enough that I will have a nice long life where I live to 105 and don't have to go through all this again. Yeah. So I said, just keep pushing, Robin, just keep pushing. It's just a moment in time. Robin, can you say more about sort of, you know, what strengthened you? We've talked about scripture and if it is your faith, absolutely speak more about that, but got you out of bed every single day to keep going, even though this was so difficult. So the one time that I was really going through it for about five hours, um, I was on FaceTime with my mom. It was a Saturday. So I FaceTimed with her and my dad while they were eating breakfast. And then she, you know, as she was just hanging around the house, like she just, she just wanted to sit there and watch me to make sure that I was going to be okay while I was going through all the, the pain. I, I haven't seen my family in over a year and oh, trying not to get too emotional. Oh, I told you it made me sentimental, all the chemo. <laughs> But I haven't seen my family in over a year. And I know that me finishing this treatment, I can't see them unless I finish this treatment. I can't see them unless I'm better um, from the cancer, I'm in remission, and I, you know, hopefully have a COVID vaccine. I can't see them until then. I can't hug my parents until then. Uh, my parents are in their 70s. And they're, they're doing well and great, but I have never been this long without seeing my family. Um, so I often thought about that. I've been thinking about how I'd like to go back to the States in the spring and spend time with them. And I've got to get through it in order for that. I, I want to live. I want to live and be well, not just live and have a terrible life. No, I want to live and thrive. So that was, that was what really pushed me. I still have so much more I want to accomplish. Like my dreams are just through the roof. <laughs> so I know that getting through this will only make it, I think in some way easier for me to get through it. Uh, 
and accomplish my dreams. There's a quote by Audre Lorde, who um, actually passed with breast cancer. I didn't know that until recently uh, that she had breast cancer, but I bought her book, The Cancer Journals. Uh, she talks about that. Like once you've gone through cancer, once you've looked death dead in the face and said, you know, not me, who, what can really scare you? What can come against you? So that has, words like that have been helping me. And my encouragement is to say every single thing that's happening, we're going to be in the middle of this journey, that every single thing that's happening while we're in the middle of it um, is going to be of good use at some point later on down the road. And so I think that, you know, when we're in the middle of these journeys that we, the more that we learn, the more that we take advantage of and bring along with us all of these lessons, the more it strengthens us, you know, in terms of what, what it is we're seeking to do further in the future. How can we pray for you? <laughs> well, um, I'm starting radiation in a couple of weeks and that'll be five weeks of radiation. So, you know, I'm a little nervous because I don't know if I'll get some sort of little known side effect like I did with the chemo. Um, so I would love to be prayed for, um, for the rest of my treatment, that it'll go smoothly, that I won't have any uh, side effects. Um, pray that my morale will stay up and that I will continue to push forward and that it'll work and I won't have to deal with this anymore. Um, in six months, we're going to come back and let everybody know about you and, um, and what you're up to and how you're doing. So in light of our conversation today, what are we going to share about you in six months? Uh, in six months, I will hopefully have a lot more hair. Yeah. That will be exciting. And I'll have some eyelashes. Um, my eyebrows won't be drawn on. <laughs> and I think that I'll be in a great space. I actually have a lot of creativity building up in me right now um, that I kind of need to express and get out there. So I'm looking forward to creating a lot, uh, not even just in six months, but before then, starting now. Uh, I think that it'll be a good period of time for me. And I hope that I will be happy and healthy and nothing but a praise report. <laughs> well, Robin, thank you so much for spending time with me today and for sharing your middle. Um, for all of you who are watching, we are all in the middle of something and there are lessons that we're all learning in the journey. In the comments, we'd love for you to share what are you in the middle of and what are you learning? And uh, we just thank you so much for spending time with us today. So Robin, we're grateful for you. We are praying for you. And um, thank you for sharing your lessons with us. Bye. Thanks for having me.